Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we continue to bring biblical truths to modern-day polygamists so that they will know that God never did command anyone at any time to take multiple wives. And we continue to wonder why people choose to follow the works of Joseph Smith when the grace of Jesus is all we need. Before we get started on today's show, if you or someone that you know needs help getting out of a polygamy group, if you need help escaping or questions answered, We'll be happy to help you and talk with you. Everything is held in complete confidentiality. You can call our toll-free number, 877-425-9993. You can go to our website, shieldandrefuge.org, to find out more about us. If you'd like to be on our show, if you're from a polygamy background, or if you have questions about our show, you can email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Also, audio versions of our show are on the, is now available to download. You can take with you, and you can find information on how to do that on our website's main page. Or you can go to soundcloud.com slash whatloveisthis. And now we would like to thank Earl Erskine. <laughs> A co-host. Former Mormon (laughs) bishop as a co-host, yes. Thank you for having me. And thank you again for sharing the information that we discover (laughs) as we go through and look into these things. Um, I'm asked the question. You've been co-host quite a long time, and and we've discussed. (laughs) It's it's been a while, yes. And and I'm I'm very pleased with your being here and helping out with these. Uh, And to get your viewpoint from the Mormon standpoint, mine from the polygamy standpoint. Um, But we've been asked the question, and we've done the show many, many times, and some of the guests you have on your show will mention polygamy as being uh, a contention with their idea of Mormon church being true, or Joseph Smith being a true prophet. We get the question all the time, why is polygamy wrong? After all, it is in the Bible, and, and we have discussed this many times on our show, and we'll probably continue to discuss it as long as we get questions about it. We also offer this book, Is Polygamy Biblical?, which is basically a Bible study I did a long time ago about polygamy and the context and what it's really all about. And it's, uh, it's free. We've given away thousands of these books. All you have to do is ask for it. You can order a copy off our website, whatloveisthis.tv, or off our website, shieldandrefuge.org. Um, but the questions keep on coming, and I continue to have discussions with people who want to understand uh, God's will concerning polygamy in light of the biblical treatment and the practice of it. I recently had a private message conversation on Facebook with a very nice and respectful lady who is very confused about Old Testament and New Testament and modern-day polygamy. And I want to share our conversation with our viewers, her questions and concerns, and of course the answers that we gave to her. So we're going to discuss her our conversation tonight yeah. about biblical polygamy and her confusion mm-hmm. with it. So Earl will read her questions and I'll give the answers. Yeah, that's fascinating. There are many references to polygamy in the Bible. 
Several men had more than one wife. Was it God's plan that a man should have more than one? Why do you think that it is that God never said you can't have more than one wife? It apparently is an adultery. The Jews don't even believe adultery could be a sin against the woman. However, Jesus changed that in the New Testament, but I'm not sure if that is only concerning divorce or not. Okay, that was the first part of her letter, or, or of our conversation. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it was God who established marriage, and that marriage was monogamy. Adultery is where one spouse engages in extramarital sex, either known or unknown by the other spouse. Polygamy is adultery in the sense that the man is not being true to one wife. In polygamy, all the parties involved are aware of the other wives, but all the other wives aren't legal. There's only one who is legal. Now, monogamy is the foundation of the commandment in Exodus 20:14, thou shalt not commit adultery. There's a great quote uh, in the MacArthur Study Bible on his notes about this commandment. Yeah, this is surprising she would mention it this mm, way. Yeah. Adultery is applicable to both men and women. This command protected the sacredness of the marriage relationship. God had instituted marriage at the creation of man and woman in Genesis 2.24 and had blessed it as a means of filling the earth. The penalty for infidelity in the marital relationship was death, Leviticus 2.20.10. Adultery was also referred to as a great sin and a great wickedness and sin against God. Seems clear. Now, it, yeah, it is very clear. And in our conversation with this lady, she said that the Jews didn't believe that adultery could be a sin against the woman. Yeah. And, and I'm shocked to hear her say that. I'm not sure where she gets the idea, but that's not even the issue. It doesn't matter what the Jews believed about adultery or what the polygamists of today believe about adultery. It was God who gave the command, so it's what he thinks about it that counts, and he's against it. Both men and women can commit adultery against their partner by being unfaithful to their partner. Now, ancient cultures knew that it was wrong to commit adultery. They knew it was a great sin. You can read about that in chapters 20 and chapter 26 of Genesis, and there's other places in the Bible as well. Now, God puts up with our sins, but he never condones them, and that includes polygamy. Uh, and adultery is adultery whether it's male or female. We went to a Bible dictionary, and this is what Revel's Bible Dictionary said. In the Bible, sexual intercourse is considered appropriate only within marriage. Adultery is a sexual relationship with a married person who is not one's spouse. The seriousness of adultery is rooted in the biblical, biblical view of marriage as a covenant between two persons that reflects the relationship of God with his people. Within the covenant relationship, each party owes the other complete and exclusive faithfulness. Only by remaining faithful to the covenant relationship can both partners be blessed. And God is faithful to us, yes. you know, in his relationship, he is faithful to us, and we should also be faithful in our uh, marriages. Um, and again, God did put up with polygamy, but he never blessed polygamy. Okay. Now, her concern was, if polygamy was wrong, if God was against it, why didn't he command specifically not to do it? But he did that when he said, thou shalt not commit adultery. This includes all sexual activity outside of monogamous marriage, because monogamy is the only marriage God established. Well, her response was 
like this. God never had a problem with polygamy in the Old Testament, though. He never condemned it. So clearly, it wasn't necessarily a sin in the Old Testament, in my opinion. I guess what it comes down to is I've read a lot of pro-polygamy posts to understand where they're coming from and to debunk their beliefs, but now I don't know what to believe. So she's confusing herself yes, by reading is. too much information and not going to the source or the truth um, because she has begun to believe what the pro-polygamists have taught her. I answered her question or her the, this last one that, that I had already quoted to her from Old Testament and New Testament verses where God forbid polygamy so why does she continue to think that God didn't have a problem with it I explained that our opinion doesn't matter anyway all that matters is what God has said on the topic and he established monogamy not polygamy when we approach the Bible to discover truth our hearts need to be open to be taught by God we'll stumble if we bring our own presuppositions and personal opinions without the willingness to let them be replaced with the truth God is established monogamy that is very important the first polygamist was Lamech from the cursed family line of Cain in Genesis 4:16, we learn that Cain left the presence of the Lord he established his family away from the presence of the Lord it was his family that started polygamy that alone puts polygamy in its place away from the will of God. Then, of course, there's Deuteronomy 17, 17, where God tells the kings not to multiply wives unto themselves. In plain English, in the Hebrew, that means <laughs> monogamy. In Leviticus 18, a chapter that all polygamists ignore, we read many verses that condemn their practices. And here is one of them. Leviticus 18, 18. Do not take your wife's sister as a rival wife and have sexual relations with her while your wife is living. Boing. Boing, yeah. <laughs> Notice the words. Do not take sisters as plural wives while your wife, singular, is alive. That is prohibiting polygamy. Now, there are enough verses in the Old Testament and in the New Testament against plural marriage and the practices within plural marriages that show God is against it. And besides that, how many times does God have to say something before we believe that he really means it? How come once isn't enough? <laughs> she wrote back to me this. Yeah. It's not that I disagree with you. It's just I have read pro-polygamists say that those verses aren't prohibiting polygamy and they have their reasoning. Believe me, I don't want to believe polygamy is okay and it seems that it could almost go either way. The one thing that makes me believe it may have changed is in the Old Testament. Adultery could never be a sin against the woman. I don't know why she keeps saying that. But in the New Testament, Jesus said that if a man divorces a woman and marries another, he's committing adultery against her. Now, either way you look at it, adultery has changed from the way the Jews saw it. So, it now may be that adultery can go both ways. So she's confused about biblical principles um, and about, you know, God doesn't change, yeah. his commands don't change. She's listening to what polygamists say rather than what the Bible is really saying. She is confused and I feel bad for her because she's either unable or she's very fearful of thinking outside the boundaries that someone else has forced upon her. We should always listen to God and reject any contradictions. Of course... 
pro-polygamists are going to say anything that will support their pro-polygamy belief. Of course they will. That's what they do. And they have done some very painful gymnastics with biblical verses to justify their unbiblical practices. But you will never find in any polygamous record in the Bible the same kind of behaviors that we find in Joseph Smith's or modern-day Mormon polygamy. Never. There's no polygamy for exaltation or polygamy to earn godhood in the Bible. It never says polygamy is a command or a requirement. It never indicates that polygamy is a viable alternative to monogamy. So if adultery and polygamy have ever been wrong in God's eyes, they have always been wrong because God doesn't change. He doesn't call something wrong and then call it right or righteous and then say it's wrong again and then go back and say it's right again and it's going to be lived in the millennium and flopping back and forth like this. That's not the way God does things. She answered this way. Yes, except where there is no law, sin is not imputed. And God never said anything against polygamy or adultery in that nature in the Old Testament. I would consider polygamy adultery, but God never said it was. Even though he was against polygamy, if he is, it seemed he was pleased with certain polygamous relationships. He praised Leah for giving Jacob another wife. He never yelled at Sarah, but comforted Abraham's second wife. In Isaiah 4, 1 and 2, seven women take hold of one man to take away their reproach, and it pleased God, etc. I'm just curious if you have looked into these things and still take your current stand. He never scolded Abraham or Jacob or David for being in polygamous relationships. But yet, listening to others' opinions has definitely messed me up and has caused me a lot of heartbreak. Well, and she's honest. She's very, this yeah. was a very good conversation. And she said many things here in this answer. And it was quite a challenge to shift through all of them. I responded by first saying that most of her conclusions are not based on the biblical record. First, when she said... Where there is no law, sin is not imputed. She was quoting Romans 5.13, which says, quote, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. End quote. Now, if that is the verse that she and pro-polygamists are relying upon, they are admitting that polygamy is a sin. And they are definitely not understanding God's judgment against sin and sinners. But she awful also forgot to read Romans 2.12 that says this. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. So, yeah, whoops. All sinners will be judged for their sin, whether they had the law or not. Just read Genesis chapter 19, and you'll see a great example of God's executing judgment long before the law was given in Exodus chapter 20, and the prohibition of sexual sins in Leviticus 18. Next, she said that polygamy must have been okay with God because he didn't yell at Sarah and praised Leah for giving Jacob another wife. 
Well, God neither yelled or praised anyone for polygamy. God doesn't go around yelling at people. Instead, he just pours out his grace and offers sinners, which we all are, an invitation to come to him for repentance for the forgiveness of our sins. In fact, it is because of God's patience that we aren't immediately judged for our sins. God's character includes divine, long-suffering patience. And this is a beautiful part of God's character that I didn't understand until I threw off Mormonism and embraced biblical Christianity. Here's a couple of verses. From 2 Peter 3.15, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. And Romans 2.4, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? God is kind and gracious. He he doesn't go around lightning bolts to zap polygamists or anybody else when they sin. And we cannot excuse sin because God didn't immediately punish it. It's his patience and love that delays his day of judgment. Next, I asked her if she had ever read every story of polygamy in the Bible. Did she realize that every single one of of those stories of polygamy uh, resulted in contention and trauma and turmoil and infighting or disaster of some kind. In Jacob's family, there were jealousies and infighting, contention and sexual sin. In the Bible teaches that when we live the truth, we have peace, not contention. But David's, in David's family, there was adultery. His son Abnon raped his sister and fled. That's rape and incest. Then his brother Absalom hunted him down and killed him. And, and then later Absalom was killed. That's murder and revenge brought about because of sexual aggression. It seems that his sons followed in the footsteps of their father David in that respect. She was concerned that God didn't scold Old Testament polygamists, but she fails to re- realize that very often the consequences of our disobedience is God's scolding because there are consequences either immediately or later or even into eternity there are always consequences a biblical promise is that we reap what we sow she made the shocking statement that God praised Leah for giving Jacob another wife I asked her, where's that in the Bible? I asked for chapter and verse, but she never gave me any. But we do notice that although there is no explicit condemnation of polygamy in the Bible, there is never a place where God pronounced a blessing on polygamy or that he ever commanded it as they claim he did. But he did bless monogamy. Then she used the passage of Isaiah 4, 1, as the Old Testament example that polygamy was not only condoned by God, but pleasing to him. But the context of this passage is horrific behavioral consequences. We have discussed this passage before on our show. We'll always have new viewers and maybe some with short memories. (laughs) So in light of today's discussion, we're going to talk about it again. We always, always need context. So we must back up from Isaiah 4.1 
and get the context of what that verse is saying and what's going on before and after that verse. So we're going yeah. to go back to Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah 3. We'll start with verses 1 and 2, then verse 5, and then verse 8 and 9. See now the Lord, the Lord Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support, all supplies of food and all supplies of water. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will rise up against the old, the base against the honorable. Jerusalem staggers, Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. The look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. Okay, there's everything in these verses is warning yeah. and disaster coming because of the sins that these people are involved in. They're parading their sins, it says. They're proud of their evil behavior. God is warning them to straighten up, to repent, but they ignored his warning. So, more context, we'll start from verse 16. 16. The Lord says the women of Zion are haughty, walking along with outstretched necks, flirting with their eyes, tripping along with mincing steps, with ornaments jingling on their ankles. Verse 17, therefore the Lord will bring sores on their heads of the women of Zion. The Lord will make their scalps bald. Verses 24 through 26. Instead of fragrance, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. Instead of well-dressed hair, baldness. Instead of fine clothing, sackcloth. Instead of beauty, branding. Your men will fall by the sword, your warriors in battle. The gates of Zion will lament and mourn. Destitute, she will sit on the ground. Notice this is war. Yes. And the, the women uh, were, were, were not acting in a godly fashion. These were God's people in, in Zion, in Jerusalem, which is where Zion is. And the scene described here is a dreadful disaster. The people are accused of, of, of oppression, of dishonoring God, of parading and applauding their sins. And God accuses the women of arrogance and of being self-serving. God warns that judgment comes if they don't repent, and it comes by way of war, and it says the men will fall. Their men die in battle yeah. in these wars, leaving the women destitute. This miserable situation is the context of Isaiah 4.1, which the polygamists interpret as God condoning polygamy. So let's read Isaiah 4.1. Okay. In that day... Seven women will take hold of one man and say, we will, eat your own, we will eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our disgrace. Verse 1 begins with the words, in that day. In what day? Well, it's not referring to Joseph Smith's day or today. That's not the context. In that day is the day God's judgment comes. His, his patience has worn thin. It's worn out. So there is, is war. There, there are dead warriors. Women are destitute. No more pretty clothing and awesome hairstyles. Things will go from bad to worse and then worse than that, which is what war zone looks like. In the day all this happens, women will be so destitute and it says they're in disgrace. They will be forced to look to any man for his protection. In that culture, a woman need to have the protection of a man. They're not as independent then as they are today. 
Did you notice that the women are begging and pleading with the man to take her into his care? How can that be a blessing? How can that be a higher law of God that the polygamists teach? This is judgment of the worst kind. It's not a prediction or commandment for polygamy, and it is not condoning. A man will be burdened with providing for many women because there are so few men left to provide for them. Read the context. God expresses his anger at the snobbish women. And when there's war, men die. The ratio of men to women becomes lopsided. This is not a passage where polygamy is presented as a good thing. Polygamy here is an ugly result. It's a consequence where they suffer poverty and hopelessness and disgrace. I was terribly shaken one time several years ago when I heard of a woman in the Kingston group who was who resisting polygamy and and she just did not want to go into it until she read Isaiah 4 1 out of context out of context and then she said she was convinced that polygamy was what God wanted her <laughs> oh, to do dear. it broke my heart yeah. because it was so wrong taking that verse that way it's been interpreted so badly and we pray that polygamists would seriously read study and consider context before they make noise about polygamy being biblical and the command of God or a higher law of God. If she had read the context, she could have saved herself and the children that she ended up having a lot of future pain and misery. And polygamists continue to take Isaiah 4 1 out of context. I saw a license plate not too long ago with Isaiah 4 1 written on it. I knew exactly oh, what it meant. Uh huh. I knew exactly what they were, were saying. Do you think you ever got through to this young lady or this person? Um, I don't know. I'm going to, she's still a friend on my Facebook, and I'm going to ask her to watch the show when, yeah. when it does come on because um, we're in more detail here than, than what yeah. we did in some of the questions that she asked. Yeah. But hopefully it's going to make a difference in the way she sees it. Well, um, part of the confusion <clears throat> is, is that we still have Section 132 sitting there in the Doctrine and Covenants. Yes. Even though the church tries to distance itself says that polygamy was never or whatever, but well, there it is. It sits there as the new and everlasting covenant. Could they have future polygamy if Doctrine and Covenants 132 was removed? Could they have? Oh, well, I guess they could, but I don't, they'll never take it oh, out because no. it ruins their eternal perspective of who God is and, and his many wives. Right, and, and they've, turned, they've turned it into celestial marriage now, which does not necessarily include polygamy, So because yeah, they've redefined it. Yeah, I guess. But it's, it's, it's just a convoluted mess, uh, and we just urge our viewers, our, especially from polygamy, please check the context. I'll help you anyhow I can. If you ever want to give me a call, I'd be happy to talk to you about these things. So thanks again, Thank Earl. You, Doris. Thank you, very, very much. Very you know, in Old Testament Israel, the nations around them had many wives and they worshiped multiple gods. But God informed his people that there is only one God and they were to have only one wife. God repeatedly warned them not to follow the ways of the nations around them. But they did worship multiple gods and many of them had multiple wives. But the principle of monogamy is alluded to in the Bible and actually commanded in several places. And God has given us the gift of freedom of choice 
and we can choose whether to obey him or not. We can choose to follow his protective commands, which result in eternal life, or do our own thing, which results in eternal perishing. Following the way of truth is the safest way, and the truth is God calls for monogamy, not polygamy, and God doesn't change. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.